Hello, welcome to Carbide Content. I am David from Contraption Collection. I am Dalen from MachineWise. I am Grant from Fellowship Blades. Hold on, I'm, I'm choking on a fruit <laughs> snack. I'm John from Triaxis. <laughs> All right. All right. Bad timing. That's staying in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, Dalen, you made like a whole new design in the time it takes for me to try to make a sticker. <laughs> uh huh. Pretty nice. sure. So, yep. uh, Let's see. Uh, tell uh, us about that, about your week. Yeah, it's been an interesting and fun and long, what, three days? Yeah. yeah. I, announced, <laughs> I, I announced that I'd be redesigning the Serif to do a V2 on Friday. Uh, I started the designing process like Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, and I now have a finished one in my hands, which is cool. That was fast. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I had to. Especially, and I made all the all of the production. I actually made all the production fixturing bef- before I had a prototype in hand. Yeah, which is awesome. Might I say that's that's really cool. It's awesome and not awesome because oh, really? if I do need to change anything, it's not good. I don't, fortunately. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I want to talk good. about like uh, um, the actual knife, but I also I Yo. saw you made like forty five degree angle fixtures yeah, for the blades. Yeah, so all kinds of fun. That's stuff. amazing. I've wanted to do that for a while. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Design wise, it ended up being an entirely different knife. And after enough people on Instagram were like, "You should call it not a serif because it's not one," <laughs> I finally buckled. I was like, "All right, fine." It's the yeah. opus now. Yeah, that's a fitting name too. I, I it like is. That. I I kind of see it as like the magnum opus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it definitely looks. Uh, like really, really good. Thank you. But I but it. I also was one of those people who was like, oh, he shouldn't, he shouldn't do like such a big change, or at least you know you can call it like the same thing, but it has to be like not version two, but like a right. side thing. Yeah, you know how there's like the iPhone and the iPhone Max or whatever. Yeah, exactly. The Serif like, Plus or something. It, if yeah. you called it the Sans Serif because it's not a Serif. <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> oh my God, would that be funny? <laughs> I, I I heavily considered it. Because um, I really do like the, the design. I'm, I'm not a big handle uh, holes guy. Yeah, I'm not either uh, because it's just hard to design. I, I don't... It's it's yeah. really hard to be creative with putting holes in titanium. It, I mean, you say that you're you have a hard time with designing, but like everything you've come up with is like pretty unique and and different and interesting. I feel like not like I, I to like most the whole thing you came up with. The <laughs> Marin is is something I've heard a lot. Yeah, you Which, just put I, a Marin blade on there. It's like no, well, I actually didn't. But. I mean the the whole <laughs> pattern, like the diamond shape. Yeah, that I don't was feel fun. like. I don't know. I don't know ballast songs as, as well as some people, but to me, I, didn't, I feel like it looked like not something I'd seen before. Yeah. Um. You don't see a lot of diamond stuff. You see it on like a lot of rightwork stuff with the really crisp corners. That's, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I was um, going to ask, what's the like radius on the sharp corner? So the radius on the inside of the pockets is a. Uh, I actually don't know because it is no longer a radius. When I go to inspect it in Fusion, it's just oh yeah, it, it it like turned into a spline or something. What? Yeah, I've it's also that. not round because I can't I can't select it to drill. Wow. Oh, um, what are you using to cut it though? Like a sixteenth? I'm using inch? a one sixteenth. Okay, but uh, it's not cutting it to a sixteenth. It's cutting it larger. 
right? I don't know anymore, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so fast. <laughs> Those toolpaths are just making themselves. <laughs> uh, basically. Uh, but awesome. um, from there, the when I first designed it, it was supposed to be a... Uh, uh, what's what's oh nine three seven five? Is that five thirty seconds? Or uh, three three five sixty fourths. So Wait. it was supposed to be a three thirty seconds diameter, whatever half of that is. I can't math right now. Okay, oh nine four about. Yep. is three thirty seconds. Yeah, so it was supposed to be sixty fourths. I designed it to use a three sixty four cent or a three thirty second cent mill. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then it didn't. <laughs> That's all I got for you there. Nice. That's so funny. Yeah. As tight as I could go, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I had to do some some weirdness on the chamfers. Uh, I actually took the, the the radiuses of the pockets out before I put the chamfers on in the model. That way, I'd get sharp sharp corner chamfers. And then oh, I put a yeah. one, and then nice. I put a one sixteenth radius on those chamfers afterwards. That way, I could use a one sixteenth ball end mill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's you know it's as close to a like tight corner as I can go without buying some yeah. stupid small end mills. Wait, how did you do that? So you you did the chamfer before radiusing the chamfer? Is that what you said? Uh, I wanted the so on a lot of Ryworks knives, um, he has a lot of those those like diamond patterns that go to like almost a perfect point on the chamfer itself. Oh, they're like small diamonds, so I think yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah, they're the small diamonds. Um, and so the internal radius of the pocket is different than the radius on that chamfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I did here. Was uh, yep. I modeled the pocket without the radiuses, put the chamfer on it, so the chamfers went to sharp corners, and then I put the radiuses inside the uh, the pockets after the fact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, good. Cool. Yeah. yeah so good. I can try to get some, you know, pointy things. Um. But yeah. I but lost yeah, my thought as to the design, but. No, I mean it's, and then you made like all the fixtures and stuff to be able to actually make the knife this week yes. too, right? Yeah that that all happened on like Monday Tuesday. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was only one. It was only three fixture plates and six angled blocks. That's true. You have less less parts than I do. Yeah. Yeah. So let, walk us through the angle blocks a little bit, because yep. I know we talked a little bit about it, but I didn't quite get what you're doing. Yeah. So I am but a broke machinist who can't <laughs> afford luxury items like a fourth axis. Mm-hmm. Hey, wait a minute. What? <laughs> uh, and a fourth axis is really like truly the best way to be machining the bevels on these blades with the ball end mill because you when you're hard milling these you using the web of a ball end mill like the tip yeah it wears out too fast you're cutting on like theor- like basically theoretically zero surface footage mm-hmm. um and so tool life was never good for me um so I wanted to kick them at an angle so I could use the side of the ball and mill more. Yep. So I did. <laughs> I made I made 15 degree uh, angled blocks. So they, they they set the blade at a 15 degree angle. Oh, that's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, only 15. Uh, high side, I, I could have gone more maybe, and maybe I will in the future. But right now, 15 is looking to be pretty good. It made a drastic difference in finish. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yep. I, uh, I left all my all my hard milling end mills in there from the previous serif run. So that the ball end mill that I used to finish the bevels on this prototype blade had already finished out an entire palator. So it was past its lifespan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got almost an acceptable finish on this bevel with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
That's huge. And by almost acceptable, I mean it was a better finish than I was getting on what we used to be an acceptable serif bevel. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's promising. So the disadvantage, though, that's not a fourth axis, is like that's the only part of the operation because yep, it's it off two angle more for operations. everything else. Mm-hmm. It adds an extra operation per bevel, so two yeah. per per blade. Um, yeah, it sort of works out because then the previous operations aren't as long, obviously, because I'm just profiling them at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm still working out the, I guess, workflow to be able to get at least three of them a day. I, I'm pretty sure that shouldn't be a problem, though. I'm I'm really tempted because I'm well, you know, I've been redesigning palette and knife for the past three months and yep. I keep redesigning it. Um, yep. I'm really tempted to get one of the bigger Pearsons so that I can have like five operations for a blade and not feel guilty about it. Okay. Um, Cause like there's a certain amount of things that like just having an extra op and being able to touch a surface or surface, you know, like put a, put a crown on the spine in a very mm-hmm. easy way. Yep. Um, because currently the Medusas are are essentially two ops. It's it's an op zero and then op one and two, and yep. and I've condensed the fixture, and it's really kind of biting me because it's like I want to do crazy stuff, and I'm, my new blade design is like I got some crazy stuff I need to do, and I'm like I I just need a big fixture so I can put five operations and not feel weird about it or whatever. Yeah, I mean I would have loved to get the bigger ones, um, but I could only fit one big one on my current machine, so I can't use I, as much table space with just yeah. with a single big one. I forget your machines are tiny. <laughs> well, one of them's tiny. The other one is a standard. Uh, f- f- oh, actually, no. <laughs> my, my quote unquote big one is a thirty sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's pretty laughs> and that's spot. like monstrous to me. My other one's like twenty <laughs> by. How long are these pallets that we use? Are they fourteen inches? They're fourteen. Yeah, eight by fourteen. So, yeah, my my other one is a um, like a twenty by fourteen or something. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I'm using the, the mini pallet, but it's like the eight by tens or whatever. Oh, mm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ours are eight by 14, I believe. Is that the biggest one? Or I guess since you guys are talking about bigger ones, there's. Yeah, that's ones. the biggest. I've, yeah. Eight by 14 is the biggest palette for his smallest base. Yeah. I yeah, think so there's the, a bigger base that has bigger palettes. Yeah. Yep. The bigger base, I think, goes to like 12 by 16, something like that. Oh, fair bit. OK. Um, yeah. It's 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 not like crazy if you like you look, put them side by side, but got, you know, surface area. Yeah. You, you're, no, you're it squaring makes it. Makes a big difference. Yep. It makes a huge difference because you, you, you now stack blades side by side and then make two rows of the same exact mm-hmm. blade that you would do in the, the mini or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Having the breathing room is definitely really nice because you don't mm-hmm. have to like sit there and calculate every single minute detail. You're like, yeah. oh, I messed up. But yep. you know the extra room's good. Yeah. I think it took me two hours to lay out my two pallets on my on my mighty because uh, I'm using like 95% of its table space. <laughs> so I had to make sure it. that that every corner fit. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I but, like, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but yeah, angled, angled blocks for blade bevels is an absolute win. And I need to buy a fourth axis. And so do all of you. Yeah. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> right. You're right. I do need another axis. You need another one, John. <laughs> Well, here, here, John is milling three, 3D milling, or sorry, using three axes to mill a fourth, fourth axis chamfer. <laughs> <laughs> using flow. <Yeah. laughs> 
I, oh my God. I, I would do the same thing. I, I texted you about this. I would do the exact same thing, but it's hilarious to watch you 3D surface a chamfer on a fourth axis. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about the backspacer yesterday, but yeah, for, no, for sure. Because yeah. like you said that, and I was like, oh, I did think about that, and then I forgot about it. <laughs> I was just thinking like, man, you can just set that on it and run an end mill and do it in two seconds, and you're sitting here 3D with a ball in mill. Yeah. <laughs> practice makes perfect yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's like the uh the backspacers yesterday it was like it has the um like the drilled through hole or whatever and i was mm-hmm. like man it'd be nice if these were deburred because i'm having a hand deburr them before and yeah I was like, i wonder if i can tilt them over and hit them with like a 130 second ball if you yeah. can stick it out far enough and i was like okay i kind of can but i need a 1 16th uh lollipop end mill to kind of get the inside oh between the like web kind of and deburr that's that. Awesome. So that's kind of like a stupid, complicated way to do it, but yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. A 16th on the diameter. Yeah. Cause the way the hole goes through the backspacer and it like kind of comes to a sharp point, like right. in that, in that pocket, there's no way to get the, um, the diameter go in there and actually be able to deburr without it hitting both walls. It's like a little hard to explain yeah. without seeing it, but I kind of get it. What's yeah. the shank size on a one sixteenth lollipop? It uh, is uh, uh, eighty thou, I think. That's silly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, but it's just like the chamfer is only, you know, it's two thou wide. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, There's no cutting force. Yeah. yeah. What What if is you this? Use like an engraving bit, like like a very tapered, very tiny ball and end mill kind of thing. So, um, so you could on the outside ones. It's that. The problem with that inner pocket is because of how tight the angle is, you can't lean over and hit the top side of the, the okay. hole, basically. You could if you wanted to like remove the backspacer and flip it over, you could do that like in another op. But right. I'd rather not have to do that, but is, is it it's a so, round it's truly, hole? Oh sorry. What's what's that? Is it a round hole? So that's another thing that makes it kind of a pain, <laughs> is it's not because it's it's an angled hole and it's drilled. So it's kind of hard to, exp- I don't know what the math is on it, but basically you have a, uh, a straight hole on an angled surface that cuts through another angled surface that has a different right. angle. Yep. So yeah, I had to basically destroy the chamfers that fusion created and like rebuild them with <laughs> yep. um, patches to get mm-hmm. flow to actually work. Hmm. But yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> so, are you trying to you're trying to deburr the top of the hole or the exit of the hole, like a back? So, basically, that that drilled hole. If you count how many uh, entries and exits, there's one, two, oh three, four, five, <laughs> six. There's six total holes that need to be deburred because they're they because a drilled hole is going to leave burrs around, especially in titanium. Yeah, and so you have six holes you need to hit on a flat, really thin, tiny object. Aren't there, aren't there like pipe deburring tools that are like pipe cleaners that are just like bristly and uh you know wiry and, and kind of meant for stuff like this? That's a really good idea. I'm gonna put that down on the list. That's a great <laughs> idea, actually. How so big is the hole? It's um a one oh one five. What's that in a drill size? Okay, it's pretty small. Um, it is a fifth, like a, number fifteen or something. I haven't used a yeah, drill in over I, two years. Oh my god! I use that drill for my uh, my Medusa, ch- whatever called channel holes. It's a number yeah. thirty eight. Oh, yeah. that's close. 
15, 38, same thing. Yeah, yeah, say it with confidence. <laughs> um, I can't believe that. Yeah, at that first game. I was going to suggest, uh, like, there's, like, Cogsdill sells, like, back dippering tools and weird stuff. They might yep. also sell the, like, bristly things. I don't remember. Yeah, Cogs- I'm... I'm literally going to look for the cheapest thing on McMaster and order that. Cause if you buy like a machine tool specific deburring, right. like I, cause you know, they make, you obviously have seen them like in Dremels and stuff. Yeah. For like, you know, they're 50 cents. But if yep. you buy, buy like a CNC one, they're going to be like, yeah, it's $80. Well, it usually yeah. it's for bigger pipes, but I see ones where it's like all these wires sticking out of a center yeah. wire. And then it has like balls on the end of each wire that are, like abrasive balls. You, oh, it's uh, like a dingleberry hone. Maybe. <laughs> Say that again. Is that a real thing? <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, I'm, I think they're called dingleberry hones. It's like they use it for honing cylinders. Oh, hmm. okay. Um, John, there's a thing on Granger and MSC. Or I think it's actually on MSC. And I can't remember who makes it, but look up whole deburring tool. It's like mm. a it's like a burnishing rod, but it's got a fin that comes out that's spring loaded. So it'll go into a hole and then. Yeah burnish as you're spinning it and then come back out and just spring in and out this is a machine tool or you do this by hand i think most people like chuck it in a drill but i don't see why you couldn't put it in a collet okay yeah there's tons of stuff you can put in collets i put those like um all sorts of stuff in collets um, when, like brush research has like their cncd burring brush or whatever and it's like 300 dollars, and i was oh like Gosh. I'm just going to go on Amazon and buy whatever, like 3M cup brush or whatever, and see if that <laughs> works. Or like, hey, it works. You know, those like pipe cleaners from like high school chemistry that you yeah. get the, yep. all the, the graduated cylinders, get one of those and just shove it down there. Yeah. <laughs> or you could debur it with uh, machine wise's microscopic ceramic ball bearings or whatever. Oh, yeah. My, oh, my yeah. one millimeter porcelain balls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. There you go. Yeah. D- did you decide to get rid of those? Uh, no, they actually work. Oh, heck okay. yeah. That's awesome. They don't actually deburr anything, but they do change the surface finish. That's for, good. For the aluminum stuff? Yep. Yeah, it just kind of... It makes everything more uniform, but yet it doesn't round over any edges, like, in the slightest. Well, it's yeah, really that's weird. perfect. But, like, the idea was uh, scratches that happen, like, during fixturing and taking stuff out of the machine you wanted to Yeah, little scratches or even, like... Um, sometimes my parts come off with, uh, not streaking, not like, a n- not a line from a chip in the flutes, but it, it, I don't know. It looks like a, is it wavy? It's not wavy either. Oh, um, it looks splotchy almost sometimes like straight off the mill. It's really weird. Is it chips coming back through your coolant system and getting shot? No, the nozzles? no. Cause I feel like that would probably just chip a flute and then like cause a little line like a streak it's not a streak it's more like a splotch splotch i would think oxidation yeah i don't know what it is honestly maybe my coolant's a little funky but this this cleans it up really nice makes them all pretty uniform um light ones anything that's that's physical mm, it'll hide them probably yeah but aesthetic scratch is just gone yeah exactly that's awesome. That's yeah, perfect. so I'm still working on kind of getting that into the production process, but uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely proven itself. Sweet. Yeah, so that's nice. fun. So weird segue. <laughs> I don't know. We get back to the backspacer or whatever else. Uh, 
Have you, you've been, uh, so you like made pallets for a fourth axis and then like fixture things that go on top of the fourth axis, John? Um, so I didn't post anything today cause I was doing the clips and they're actually a little bit more complicated as far as all that fixturing stuff goes. Yep. But for the backspacers, the aluminum thing that gets bolted onto the tombstone is just a riser. And that's just to get the spindle nose away from. Mm. Um, basically hitting the tombstone when it has to go past center line of the tombstone right. down. And then the little steel, the chromoly blocks that the backspacers actually sit on, the reason it's done that way is because of that drilled hole needs to be, when the tombstone is tilted 90 degrees, The that hole or access to that hole needs to be basically pointing straight up to the spindle. So obviously you can you know, hit it or drill it or whatever. And then... The midnight's engraved on the back of the backspacer, and the back of the backspacer is not is not flat um, in that orientation. Mm-hmm. So the way the little blocks work is they're like dowel pinned, and they have locating features. You just pick the block up and then move it to the oh. spot on the fixture that orientates it um, facing the spindle to be engraved. And so that's oh. why there's there's four of them because it's two backspacers per op and there's two backspacers that come off the flat pallets so i try to make everything like they're in twos essentially so there's no like doubling of parts or waiting on like an op to finish the angles uh wrong enough you can't engrave them at an angle with like a ball so not from the way it's orientated to do the drilled hole it's on basically it's basically 90 degrees away from it in that in that way unfortunately and then that's why the fixture, the riser has that weird shoulder towards mm-hmm. the actual tombstone. And that's just to have like support for the metal, the, um, the chromoly blocks or whatever, um, just I, to like be angled properly. I like that idea of like a, a locating subplate that carries with the part. Yeah. It seems like to, for some people, cause it seems like it's you're double stacking things when you should just make the tombstone and then have the tombstone change. But when it's explained like that, it, it kind of makes more sense. Yeah, um, I, I like it. It's great idea. Yeah, I think um, it makes sense, but I would worry about like having the riser and like how many stack ups or changes happen, and like each thing is all like potentially adding like a couple tenths of error or something. So the reason there's a bunch of weird looking little bores all all over those um, the actual chromoly blocks is those are for work coordinate systems if you if you needed to. So, oh, okay. So there's like two on the top, and I would only use one, but if you wanted to actually check and make sure that the, like let's say you stick the tombstone up at uh, A0, so those steel blocks are facing up, the two bores that are on the top, you could actually just, you could probe the two bores and check and make sure that the actual um, fourth axis is in line with Y mm-hmm. by doing that real quick. But you can also use them as like WCSs and set Z and everything from there because that would be closest to your part. But for now, it's all center line. Once stuff happens, like you bump it or move it or, you know, whatever, you have to re-check everything. You can use those, and that's why there's also ones on the sides. So you can right. actually, if you needed to check and make sure the hole was actually centered, you could then reuse a different work coordinate system if you wanted. So they look kind of crazy, but I kind of tried to think of all 
that stuff that usually happens to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, great idea. Yep. So, and yeah, I'm working on the clip one, which is kind of along the same lines, but luckily not as complicated. But the blocks, the actual machining is a little bit more complicated because for the basically the third op of the clips to hold them, it's got like this weird 59.59 degree angle. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So I'm like before I got on the podcast, I was making soft jaws to hold basically the op two, the op three for these steel blocks to hold it at the right angle to actually be able to be drilled and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's been like a pain to make everything. But the nice thing is like the fixture is well designed and like all the hardware and stuff is there and all the tool paths are going to come from one file. And basically so I can post a tombstone worth of, of parts. And I think it's going to be about six hours runtime just on the tombstone, not including the flat pallet. So that'd be That'll be relieving, I think, when like, you know, you walk in and it's actually like running instead of just nothing's happening kind of thing. Yeah. That's six hours for one or two knives. Uh, That's just for one titanium part tombstone, essentially. So that's two knives worth. Gotcha. Okay. But the runtime's actually, I think it's a little less, but that's just my rough estimation. I actually haven't done much of the part cam. So yeah, that's awesome. So do you have any parts that will be just three axes? Yes. So the, um, the pivot screws are just three axes. The, the lock bars are just three axes. And I think that's it. You could make the handles three axes if you wanted to, but yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, not uh, that many. (laughs) Is there like a, a curve, that that's the entire uh, top of your handles that surfaced or, or is it uh, flat? No, they have a, I don't know what you call it. I guess it's a, it's a contoured surface. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a, they're, it's, they're not it's flat. convex shape, you know? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So it's otherwise, still yeah, good for otherwise they would axes. be three axes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I still, I don't know if you use a, a bull nose, so you're not cutting with the end of it uh, very much, mm-hmm. especially since you're doing like, if you do like stuff like the the starburst sunburst uh, pattern or, uh, or some of these more complex things on top of it. Yeah. I think like, and you're going to tumble it. I, I think it'll be a much smaller issue. The surface finish than the blade stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I still feel like it might be possible to do it all in the three axis and be, be happy, but I don't know. Yeah, you definitely could, but I'm like, I have it, so I might as well utilize it. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm pretty excited to actually make something again. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. What's what's your like progress uh, until you can make a knife out of it? So I'm aiming for middle of next week to actually have like a fully done knife off of everything. Yes. So basically the clip the whole clip fixture thing gets done tomorrow is the plan. And when I'm doing this there, so I'm confident enough that I need four blocks essentially made like for the backspacers essentially that the design I'm like, okay, it looks good. And I'm like 95% certain it's going to work. So I'm just making four of them at a time, like the actual blocks. Cause usually what I would do is like, 
oh, I'm not too sure if it's going to work. Let me just make one and then basically tear down one system and then mm-hmm. build up the next system just to test one part. And I'm like, okay, cool. I got to do that three more times. This time I'm yep. just like, these are good enough and this will work, which is dramatically imp- like increased speed, I guess, as far as like fixture stuff goes. Yeah. But I can relate to that. Yeah. It's a nice, like I've gotten to the point now and it's like a kind of a nice feeling where like you design something and like you kind of know how to design it to actually be able to make it. But then instead of like worrying about, can I make this? You just worry about like, when do I have time to start working on it to make it? Like there's Mm no, um, I don't know. It's just nice to be able to know how to make things, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I was feeling that way until I broke a tap last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I exploded a tap last night. Nice. You're, you, what were you tapping? All my fixtures. I thought you were thread milling everything. Are you? You're form tapping. Never mind. Uh, I'm just cut tapping all the all all the aluminum. But oh, so, okay. When it's four o'clock in the morning and you and you fat finger negative fifteen instead of negative or negative sixteen oh instead God. of negative fifteen. Oh gosh. It wasn't a crash, but it uh, it it it. Wrapped in the tap into the material. Yeah, before nice. I caught it. Yeah, yeah. it I, it happens, dude. I like I said it last does. couple podcasts ago. I think every one of my pallets has a broken tap in it. Oh, uh, <laughs> fortunately, it was just a block. It was just one of the angled blocks. So I threw it away. And oh, nice. That is, that is much better. <laughs> Yo, yeah. big jinx. I've never broken a tap. Oh my knock god! You better knock on something. Yeah, form <laughs> tapping for life, baby. Nice. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've done a lot of form tapping successfully. My Mighty taps nicely. My Miltronics does not. Mm. Yeah, I, that might be the first form tap I broke, but that seems crazy. Yeah. And I, I'm always hand tapping 256 threads into my pins. Nice. Into steel. And uh, I, would, I, honestly, I use form taps for those too, even though it's yep. steel. Yeah, I would be more worried about hand tapping 256 than laying the mill yeah. to it. Yeah. You would, yeah, you would or it's better... You would you I like think, the mill to I do think it the or mill you would do it by hand? The mill's better than I am. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, I, not if you have a Tormach. <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> that's fair. Valid. Yeah, I will love getting my next machine and and hopefully being able to uh, to have it thread things. Yeah. Yes. Just make sure you turn on rigid tapping if you if you are intending to use <laughs> rigid tapping. Yep. Don't ask me how I know that. It's pre- it's a reamer now. Yeah. <laughs> you ever gotten a tap stuck in material without breaking it? Yes, so, yes, I have. Yep, that happened to me a lot. Um, <laughs> the old no, I, I mean, I've done it in machines. I, I've I've tapped like so much, like horrible three hundred four stainless and stuff, where you have to like use like you can't just use the flood cool, and you got to put in like a bunch of gross honey consistency yep. uh, oh, yeah. oil. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is when you have to turn the spindle backwards by hand while slowly jogging the machine up in Z to get it out. Yes. Oh my. <laughs> I've done that, do that a lot. We, we were, uh, God, it was a, a three foot diameter. Um, I don't even remember what it was. Some, some like gasketing for a gate valve or yep. not gasking, but like a, like a block, whatever. Mm-hmm. Simple bolt hole pattern, like one nose, inch and a half by something, probably. Oh, big no, a big, yeah, huge tap. Inch and a half by something tap. I don't know. Inch inch by 16 or something. Some weird. Um, and we were doing it, and we had really weird power outages at my old shop, and it was literally one of those things that I was straight middle of tapping. Power went out. Machine goes dark. And I'm sitting there like, 
oh my god <laughs> so i hit the e-stop because i was like i don't know what the hell just happened and i don't want the machine to come up and start or like trying to get home or something oh yeah um so i hit the e-stop power comes back on and now the machine is e-stopped halfway tapping yeah and i was like i don't know yeah and and the machine like wanted to home right so because <laughs> because the power turned off so you have to uh-huh. turn it on and, and yeah you oh can't jog it you can't jog it. And so we're we're sitting there like literally banging our heads against the wall, just trying to figure out how to do this. And it, it was just a nightmare. What once it this happened twice. One time we had to <laughs> My uh, God. we had to the other thing about this is this is on a ninety degree like uh five hundred pound fixture. Yep. And ninety degree plate, it's a horizontal mill, so ninety degree uh-huh. plate is standing straight. So you don't just like, you know, unbolt this and like move the no. part. Uh-uh. <laughs> So, so we, we, however, like we couldn't unjog the mill and we couldn't release a tool because I believe it was the same thing as you had to home the, home the mill first. Oh, so you also push the tool down though as well, which wouldn't work because it can't. Yeah. So we had to go into parameters and tell it that it was home and then, <laughs> and then slowly hand jog the tap out and then refix all the parameters that we broke in. Yep. It's just, just a nightmare. Utter, utter nightmare. It's- it's just the best thing ever. Have yeah, you guys if, if had it, to do uh, pipe taps? Yep, I've done a lot like of paper taps. taps. Pipe? I, I uh, feel like no, I, I still haven't. don't know how to properly do it because I feel like the people with me had limited knowledge of doing it. And so they're just like, just drill a hole and do it regular. But then I feel like you need a special uh, tapered reamer or something. Like I was doing this on a manual machine because it was so ridiculously difficult. It was like a, you know, probably a... Five eighths or half inch or something. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Uh, most of them can be tapped with a straight hole, from what I remember. Um, okay, and I I always forget if it. I think it's a depth call out for the threads. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, where it's weird too. Is I went like too far, so it doesn't. Yeah, if you go too far, I, then it won't it won't seal because yeah, yeah, they're a yeah. pain. I've, I've, I used to do a lot of them. The I did a lot pipe, of fuel system stuff in the past. The the only MPT I ever did was uh we thread milled it and it was super easy. <laughs> yeah, thread milling oh. them is, is definitely the way to go usually. Yeah. Huh. So I just I just looked up a tap chart for pipe threads and it actually gives a call out for like it says drill size with taper pipe reamer or it says drill size without a taper yep. pipe reamer. Oh, it's so you can call yep. outs. Yeah, so you can actually do it, I guess, straight. But yeah. it's a different drill size. Yep. I'm sure once you get to a certain size NPT, you might have to actually include the taper. But yeah. Pipe yeah, just once you get so to a certain annoying. depth, it's so much friction. You know, I, I'm uh-huh. sure I had like a two foot or, you know, something close to that. I, I had a pretty big, big uh, tap wrench and I was like, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but they also maybe were making me go deeper than I was supposed to. Yeah. Not not to derail, but y'all talking about pipe threads got me remembering what I did this week. Uh, I now have two compressors hooked up in union uh, before my air refrigerator. And so Did you buy now a I second ha- one. No. Well, so we I had a big compressor that was in the shop already. That was that we plumbed up into my side yep. of the shop and that compressor died. And that's when I bought my Quincy, the, yep. the 15 CFM. Uh, we fixed the old compressor. So I, I went ahead and, and swapped it out because it's it's in the other room. So it's quieter. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I pumped it back into that one. But uh, last week, uh, something happened. One of the breakers switched overnight. Um, and so like the last uh, finishing pass on my blade, you know, the machine shut off because it was didn't have. Oh, air. 
No, which yeah. which is really bummer because hard milling is if that end mill stops in the middle, it's it leaves screwed. a giant fucking yep. yeah, that blade's just whatever. gone. Yeah, um, and so scrap blade, whatever. But I was like, all right, I'm gonna. I've been thinking about doing this for a while, but I was like, I'm gonna commit to it. I'm just gonna spend the five hours, or whatever, for this project. And I went and I and I couldn't find a half inch uh, or a three quarter inch, whatever it's called, uh, airline hose because mm-hmm. I was at Lowe's and Home Depot and they don't ha- they only have like yep. up to three eighths or whatever. But I went and got uh, the shark bite tools and I got some pecs and I did my first run around with shark bite. And my God, that stuff is easy to work with. What is shark off. bite? So, so pecs is like the new PVC. It's just like flexible plastic. Oh, is it that blue PVC. stuff? It's blue and red, um, yeah, depending yeah. on what you want. But it, yep. it's rated up to like 200 PSI. So it's like, okay, it good works. for shop air. It's good for shop air. Yeah, um, it works. And the shark bite is essentially like a hose barb with its, it's it got a proprietary hose clamp and it's a system. Oh. So you, you buy like the crimping tool and you buy the right fittings and you essentially just slide the pipe over and you cr- clamp it with this, uh, this pipe crimper. Um, and it's all it's all torqued out and specked out so that it yep. knows if you do it right that it's going to hold the pressure or whatever. Huh, neat. And and huh. it literally took I I spent hours figuring out and buying all the stuff, but I I literally I think I plumbed the whole thing up in like two minutes because it was nice. just slided on like that's awesome. Well, it's like it the incredible. AN fittings of 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 shop air systems. Yeah, it was it was just the easiest thing in the world. Um, it's a little bit pricier than like. If you if you did it iron tube or iron pipe and you like yep. did it the old fashioned way, um, but it's faster. But it's just so much easier, faster, and like if you have to replace something, you just cut the pipe and yeah. like literally just put in a, a new fitting and yep. I mean that sounds easy. like it pays for itself for, for the cost difference. Absolutely. So now I'm gonna like within probably a couple of months, I'm gonna buy like a couple hundred feet of the the pecs and just airline the whole shop. Nice. I want to. Did do you that. attach it to like the walls or the ceiling or anything? Uh, r- right now, Mike, so I have iron pipe that runs, uh, from the other room about 30 feet into it through a wall, 30 feet into my room. And then, uh, it just kind of, it comes out into a bowl, uh, air regulator and then into my air refrigerator. So I just plumbed in a T joint right before the, the bowl and then pexed it basically two feet, uh, made it just a 90 degree turn to get the height of my uh air compressor and just plumbed it right into the air compressor so i have two air compressors at uh roughly 150 psi coming into my air refrigerator nice and so if one goes down the other one's working and they both have enough cfm to run the shop so it's yeah nice awesome how did you balance them um because i've ran multiple compressors together before and you have to balance the two regulators on them like perfectly or one is always cycling and one isn't well, so I didn't balance it. And the reason for that is because I, I want the one in the other room to cycle. Okay. Uh, because it's quieter, right? Yep. So yep. essentially the Quincy is working as a uh, one. It's, a, it's an exterior tank. So when the when the bigger one cycles, it's going to fill up two tanks, which means it's less time cycling. Uh, or, sorry, yep, less consistent sense. cycling, just more time between cycling. Better, yeah. better for on time. Uh, and then if it goes down, the Quincy kicks on as a backup. Okay. Which is kind of ideal. Um, right. So I just I just turned up the regulator and and now it's just working itself. Sweet. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, that was fun. Uh, that was my project. I I am so happy to have because this has been like every week. There's like one day where the air system does something weird, <laughs> and now now I have a plumbed in backup that I don't have to like switch out. It just works. That it's, is nice. So I nice. had 
I had slight air troubles. I got lucky. Um, one of the T fittings that comes with the Pearson pallets that you know feeds air to the to the pallets or the yeah. bases, uh, it exploded over the weekend. What? Ooh. Like yeah. the aluminum broke? No. Uh, so it, they ship with like just the little plastic quick connect T fittings. Oh, those fittings. Okay, I thought you were talking about the button. No, <laughs> that'd be oh, man. That'd be fun. I was like. Holy cow. Um, but no, yeah, no, just the just a little, you know, quarter inch tubing, you know, T splitter, yeah. one to two. Yeah, um yeah. it it like grenaded itself and came apart. Um wow. so my compressor ran for probably forty hours straight. Nice. Jeez. Damn. And it's as happy as can be still. That's <laughs> but, impressive. Uh I feel like there should be some kind of continuous like 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 duty cycle limit on these compressors, because that's a huge fire hazard. Oh, it's it's massive. Well, so the, yeah, uh, the other day, the reason that sparked this whole thing is the compressor switched the breaker because it was running duty because uh, okay. the other side of the shop had a bunch of airlines that were leaking air. Yep. So it was it was just running. Yep. And one of the uh, the guys from my dad's shop came in, one of the welders, and he was coming in, and it was smoking oil everywhere. The oil cap mm. popped off because it was so hot, and then it was Great. just leaking hot oil and bubbling everything around. Jeez. And I it was like, yeah. We got real lucky, but it was like, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, there should be some shutoff. Like, hey, yeah, right. I mean, I must have gotten really lucky because, I mean, it probably ran for, I mean, bare minimum at least 24 to 30 hours, if not the entire weekend straight. Yeah, that's great. Mm. Um, so, did it I mean, break on, like on the button side? Or like, if the button was down, would this have still happened on the Yeah, and com- completely, yeah, unrelated to the actual button or or any of that it's literally just um the airline that feeds the button okay because i always like try to keep it down mostly because i want the ball bearings out so that chips don't get in you know or dust yep Yep. um i like to leave it i like to leave it closed as well uh, because i don't want to wear out the spring right but yeah no it wasn't related to that at all it was literally just a little quarter inch uh air tube like like splitter that just yeah. exploded. That's um, crazy. Yeah, but no, I mean, I c- came in and it was running, and I heard this loud air. I was like, huh, that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, props to Pearson for making a system that r- that holds without air, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah. absolutely. Because that would have sucked. Yeah. But yeah, it, the compressor wasn't smoking. It wasn't boiling any uh, oil out or anything. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just scared me. I, have y'all ever run your Pearsons accidentally unlocked? Um, no. no, not yet. Actually, I I've done it twice, and both oh, times. How'd that go? <laughs> oh, so I remember it, one of them. Oh, you do? <laughs> I think so. Okay, well, so it, I the one the recent time at least was uh, on my blades. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe the first time was too, but I, I can't quite remember that one. But um, so it was one of those things that like. You think to yourself, I've done this a million times. Nothing has changed. Why am I breaking tools? Right. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't change my blade palette. Uh, like uh, the only thing I changed is serial numbers. Like none of the tools changed. brand new, fresh tools. And I hit go to run my op zero, which mills out the pivot holes. And literally it, it mills it, bores it out. And then it comes in and does like a, a six spring passes, uh, yep. just circular patterns. And on, on the first circular pattern, it just, you know, runs into the side of the pallet or into the side of the blade and breaks the tool. And I look oh. at it and sure enough, it's it's creating an oblong circle, yeah. you know, 
and I'm like, what the heck? Like <laughs> my screws are tight. The mill, like I went and like checked all my programs. I started running right. my old programs. Like nothing was dang it. And it was literally because the Pearson was unlocked and, <laughs> and it was just, just enough play that it would move oh, the man. blade around. And that was just too much cutting force. And I broke three end mills figuring this out. Oh, that's unfortunate. And, and scrap the pivot holes. Cause it over. Yeah, clearly. Everything. Yep. Yep. But it was one of those things that's like you never I never would have thought that like the Pearson being unlocked was the cause to those like immediately because I uh, I always lock it when I run everything like it was never even a factor. Yeah, I'm always paranoid about it. So I always check it. I, I like I, I haven't been perfect. I mean, I, I think I've been perfect with the Pearson locking down, but uh, I try like really hard not to uh, put things into the fixture unless I also tighten the clamps. Or mm-hmm. like, don't just put stuff in a vice unless you also tighten the vice. Right. That's that's where I've definitely made this mistake is you like tighten something a tiny bit in the vice, and then you have to go check something, measure <laughs> stuff, whatever, and then you forget to like fully tighten the vice. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, so. Yeah, I I don't know where the where the breakdown happened. Maybe it was an off day. Maybe I was like dealing with employees while I was mounting vices or the, yeah, the right. pallet. A million things going through your head. Yeah, whatever it was, I put the pallet on, didn't close it, and then just yep. left my memory. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. trying to run it. I remember I got a picture from you a while back now, with I think basically no context, and it was one of your pallets on the like inside of on the oh, sheet metal my- of your machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Oops. that was. Uh, the handle pallet, I didn't yeah. lock it down and it ran the face mill, the yep. two inch oh face mill gosh. with God knows how many cutting forces. <laughs> it threw the whole pallet. It was awful, dude. <laughs> that, uh, God, I can only imagine how loud that was. It, it was terrifying. Like, I mean, uh-huh. everybody knows when there's a loud noise in your mill. Oh, like yeah. Heart skips several beats. And yep. that was, I, I was like high on adrenaline that entire day. That. <laughs> That's why I say you the picture. I was like, dude, I like, <laughs> yo. That's crazy. So I, I see it. I, I'm like in disbelief. Like, did you drop it? Yeah. No. <laughs> no <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> yeah, the machine did it. <laughs> yeah, the machine threw it. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, maybe I've done it three times. So I feel like I've done the blade one twice. So oh, I've done it at least three I times. I have, but. um, what I have done is I have a sub palette on one of my, on my handle palette mm-hmm. for the op two. So it's just a little removable plate that's pinned on and bolted down. Right. I have forgotten to bolt that plate down twice. Oh no. <laughs> um, and it starts pulling up the whole plate. And the only thing keeping it down is the fact that it's kicked at an angle with dowel pins in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yo. Which, That's... which end mill, uh, is like the first one to, to send it or to break. Oh, uh, no, both times that I did it, nothing broke actually. Really? Yeah. Surprisingly. That's, that's great. It just it just started sucking the plate up. Yep. Can I uh, ask you guys for advice on making a part? Yes. Sure. Yes. So uh, <clears throat> you know my scissors have a button. Yep. It's like it's like a kind of oval shape. Uh, it's like an inch long, half inch wide, approximately, and it's mm-hmm. three thirty seconds inches thick. So like point oh nine four thick. Okay. Um, if you go on my Instagram. It's like the fifth picture is the black and red one. Yep. Um, so the way I'm making them now is uh, getting like quarter inch thick stock aluminum and cutting out, you know, as much as I can, doing the counter bores, doing the holes. And then I flip them over and 
hold them with machinable uniforce clamps. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yep. And I started doing it this way because uh, I didn't like having to do two screws per button. Like going, you know, before I was like using the bores to locate them and screwing through. Yeah. And it's like a lot of screws. Um, and I was probably optimizing prematurely, but, um, I'm well, so to get to what the problem is, is so now it's great. There's only one screw for two buttons with the uniforms clamps, one on each side. Um, but I feel like the thickness isn't consistent and parallel and the depth of the hole, like from the bottom of the part to the bottom of the counter bore. Uh, needs to be uh, um, like pretty accurate. Right. And so I'll use a, 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 a dial indicator with like a sharp nose and uh, put it on a fixture plate or a granite plate and uh, like measure to the top of the uh, or the bottom of the counter bore. And, you know, it'll like the bottom of that counter bore will have like an angle to it where where like one side's you know, three thou higher than the other side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're not, they're just not getting held down flat. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm making them two at a time. I don't remember the last video I've, I've shown it. So maybe it's hard to imagine, but I'm actually making two buttons at a time and like clamping two and two. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of the problem. Um, I don't know. So, uh, you're using like the brass uniforce ones, right? Uh, it's anodized aluminum and, uh, it's, it's, it's so like, it looks yellowy and, uh, yep. you machine oh, okay. it, but it has but it's that, the aluminum inside. It Brass has that little, color. little angled block in the center, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's yep. 70, 75. If you were curious. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought they were brass. I, I've broken so many of them. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I would be curious cause I had just with the mighty bite, uh, the, the what are they called? The. Now I'm blanking. Oh, pipples. Pipples. I was going to say pit viper. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> um, with the pipples, if you are not centered to the part, uh, there's noticeable kick. It'll it'll throw up a part a couple. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious. Even though they say uniforce, if they're they are not truly uniforce and they are kicking up parts, if it's not like positionally, uh, you know, z axis centered. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've. Uh... You're probably not supposed to, but I've experimented with like tightening them a bit and then kind of tapping down on the part to try to get it yep. flat. I wonder like, if they're, you know, I wonder if they're moving during roughing. Have you tried at, like uh, having a little stop after roughing to just tap them down for the finishing? Uh, well, so the first first op they're just held with uh, pit bulls, yep. um, and then the second op, all all that's happening is it's just facing off the extra material. Yep. You know, like you're creating the like islands and then uh, you have that extra material. So I'm, it is a little aggressive. Um, I could see if I do like more passes with the, it's like, it's like only five eighths stock and then the, it's a one inch face mill. Okay. You know, so to speak, face mill. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm probably going down like 40 thou at a time or something. Yeah, I like maybe go that. less aggressive on that or or maybe leave like 10 thou for a finish pass and then have a stop there where you just give them a final tap before the finishing pass. I think I do a finishing pass that's lighter. 
Yep. I don't tap it in between, though. Yeah, it I, sounds like I it's could, probably just getting pulled up a little bit. Yeah, I could definitely see a face mill pulling it out of those. Maybe of those I things. could uh, I could do some like adaptive thing to get rid of most of the material, maybe instead with a quarter inch end mill. I don't know. Could get a down cut end mill. Maybe that'd be worse. Uh, it, I could. I could. This is not a bad part because the overhang should be able to clear the chips out. Do you have um, a picture of your current work holding setup? Um, not easily quick enough to get on a podcast, I don't think. <laughs> That's gotcha. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll show it to you later. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I'm thinking about like if, if now that I'm like fairly confident of the design, uh, maybe I basically do it the way I'm doing it. But instead of starting with this thick stock, I just get a bunch of the rough shape, like water jet cut or laser mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hold it in like multiple state. Well, how would I do the outside? I guess there's not really a good way to avoid having to do two screws per button. Yeah, um, not really. Yeah. Unless you make it on a Swiss lathe. That's what I was going to say. The idea would be making it on a lathe and parting it off. The button is the thing you click, right? Right under the Yeah, that's what buttons are. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Killing me over here. (laughs) So it's like the... um, I'm just trying to make sure I'm looking at the right thing. It's the... It's the button <laughs> under the blade, right? <laughs> with like, it looks it's like, like a um, like a like a bow tie with none of the the yes. bow tieiness. Sure, yep. it's got my logo on it, and it's red in in the, the two screws. picture. Gotcha. And basically, so there, you're not getting the right Z height over the entire thing. Like, it, one side's higher or lower than the other. I I think so. I'd have to check it again and see if there's a big difference in uh like the whole part to another. Cause it, it seems like it could even be like a U or something. And it's like the, the counterboards are like thinner in the middle, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, but I'm not how sure. Is, what locating surface is, is your, are you getting the Z off of? Is it through the clamp or is it through like a soft aluminum cutout in the fixture? Well, I tried to do it so that, uh, I, I made them like at the same time, like I made the pocket put the uniforce in and then machine it at the same height. I have mm-hmm. thought about like, maybe I should figure out a way to like cut the clamp lower or something. That's I was wondering if, if whatever, whatever tolerance is within all of your parts, like, cause maybe that clamp even like kicked out at an angle a little bit and that's whenever it bends it in, it's now too high or something. It could, it, it could maybe if it's angling, um, yeah, because like the way it the way it works, I don't know. It probably isn't moving like perfectly parallel. I I believe they literally just lean out. Uh, as well, far yeah, as my I mean, it, could, it couldn't, but like you know, hopefully the way it bends, it's like a flexure. Like it could, you know, hopefully the amount it's twisting and and kicking up is is minuscule. Um, and it's like weird behavior I'm experiencing. I I feel like that might be more obvious if that's what was happening. That's true. Excuse me. It, it could, I mean, one of those things, like if, if you need a tight tolerance, frankly, for me, I stopped using uniforce clamps entirely because I couldn't get the tolerances I wanted with them. Yeah. Um, and, if, you know, two screws for a part is not the end of the world if you get the tolerance you need. 
Yeah. I mean, I would, as far as like the clamps go, I never use them besides going from rough stock to an actual like mm-hmm. finish surface. And then I use the, then I use a finish surface and in, in screws to locate. Yeah. Cause like you I said, the, the clamps, I mean, you know, they move, they wear or like, I, I don't think I've ever used one for actually like an up to kind of thing, like an actual to locate with kind of thing. I just I was don't locate al- with them, but you clamp with them. Yeah. I was also thinking about if, um, uh, I do the counter bores in op two. So op two, I'm, I'm worried about the issue, but really I'm just taking off the back and then that's me- messing up this distance to the counter board. But if I just do, you know, just make the shape with no holes cause I'm not using the holes to locate anyway and then do it, uh, would that help or would it just make the air flip to the other side, I guess, or, you know, hmm. the button or only make has, the, or it these, might make the counterboards at, at an angle, I guess. The button only has these two counterboards in it, right? Those are your what's critical. Yeah. And what's on the bottom of the button? Because I can't. There's no picture of the bottom of it. No, it's it's just flat. Um, oh. It's it's got a chamfer. It's got like a kind of decent sized chamfer on both sides. I mean, uh, you should. I mean, you should honestly be able to go from like, let's say you just take raw, like a square piece of material, right, and you clamp it. And then you put your counterbores in there because you said the bottom is flat. Or you would do it the other way. But then what I would probably try to do is put two like little dowel pins or something for the op two and use that as a locating feature. Because uh, since you have nothing, there's nothing there, you're able to put whatever you want for a locating feature because you could hold it as the dowel pins are actually the locating feature and hold it down with the counterboard screws and then profile the outside. Oh, wait. So you mean make a uh, locating feature in the part that's like just a tiny hole or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. on the on the, on the the bottom side, like two dowel pins that are maybe not in line but have like, you know, a little offset kind of thing. I, I could do that, um, but... Uh, it's more of Z that I'm worried about than X and Y. Yeah, because you're you're locating fine in X and Y. You're you're just getting some some slight pull up or something. And, and right? like in theory, I could do what you're saying or use the counterboards or, or anything to mm-hmm. uh, to locate. But then I was using the uniform clamps because I wanted to try to like hold the entire contour on both sides instead of mm-hmm. like like there's those like little hexagon mighty bites uh, yeah. or the pit bulls. You know, I could use one of those, but then I was worried it would kind of dig into the finished part. Yeah, which mm-hmm. it does. Um, what if what if you did like you counterboard, right? But you weren't cutting Z in this first op. You were just counterboring to the right depth for the counterboards themselves, but you left material on the top face. And then in the op two, when it was actually held down by the counterboards, then you face it to like final Z. You face so the it's, inside it's of the counterbore or the top of the part? The top of the part. So you're right. count- essentially you're you're only cutting material, you're only cutting the counterbores so your screws like don't get hit when you face the top of the part for like an op two. Because then if you have it constrained down and it's bolted down, which is how it's going to be when it's assembled, and then you face it, you know that it's gonna be as flat as possible. Because it's actually gonna be installed in that constrained mm-hmm. state 
Yeah. Um, it's it's probably it's like extremely hard to visualize a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Right. But well, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of ways to tackle it. And, and like, I don't think it matters. But um, what I was saying is, I don't even really care about the top of the part and mm-hmm. the distance that is to anything, or if it's off angle. It's mm-hmm. it's um, the bottom of the counterboard to the bottom of the part needs to be a pretty specific number. Gotcha. Why is that? Out of sheer curiosity. Because I have the weird pins, and the pins have bosses that extend up through the button. Uh, yes. And then the screws clamp down, but the screws clamp can't clamp down onto the bottom of the counterbore onto the uh, button because the there button, needs to be some movement. The button uh, is actually serving as a stop for the pins, isn't it? The well, controls the, the throw the, distance. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the pins move slightly farther apart from each other when you open the scissors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be movement. And if you just like clamped a screw into the pins through the button, uh, then the scissors wouldn't open. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I would just try tapping it first just to see before the finishing pass. Tap it down. And then that'll yeah, tell you that. if, that'll tell you if it's if it's moving from roughing, and then you can you can adjust from there. Yeah, I thought um I thought about also like if you could uh, make a bunch of them out of like a bar with a bunch of holes drilled that like are off of the part. Oh. And, and then like you just cut that off or even like do a window machining type of thing. I have, I, I think I just have your solution and I, I don't know why I didn't think about it till now. Just okay. pull it, pull it out of bar stock, like a long bar so you can get a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. machine it from the top side so the from the counterbore side right uh, so you and then just take a keyway cutter and zip them all off to the right to the right thickness <laughs> oh yeah. i, I totally used to do that right. a lot for 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 parts in the past i just forgot about it you can have the keyway come from both sides and leave like a one thou film in the middle and then you just tear it you just you know break <laughs> them off and then just run them on sandpaper for like five seconds and you have a flat a flat bottom okay Oh, that that'd be kind of cool. I I want the big chamfer on both sides though too. So I'd have to back like, chamfer. Yeah, you well, could do back chamfer. It'd be, yeah, it's a it's an interesting idea. You could also it could, it could be pretty efficient. It's less efficient with material than even what I'm doing, but it could be. It, you, it makes it like efficient. a one op part. It's almost yep. like the lathe thing. Yeah, exactly. You, if you started with a precision ground stock, you could avoid face milling. All you'd have to do is the outer contour chamfer. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is, is, uh, is like, can you get stuff that's all like for aluminum that's like already 330 seconds and is, you Probably. know, fairly nice? And oh, yeah. I think I sell like Blanchard ground aluminum stock. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely get it. Um, I, even like McMaster sells like precision ground stock. Well, there's like Mike Six stuff for fixtures that's like huge, but I didn't know. Um, oh, did my phone just ring? Uh, sorry about that. Um, I don't know. Should we start wrapping it up though? Yeah. Oh, good place yeah. To stop it. I yeah. definitely, uh, we'll think about some of this stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening everybody. I'm going to bed now. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs>